Father, we just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just want to thank you, Father. You're awesome. You are awesome. Only you are awesome. There's nothing beside thee. There's no one like thee. I just want to thank you. I just want to praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now as we come to the ministry of your word, we just surrender this time, all of us, into the hands to your spirit. Your word, your spirit, your unction. Speak to us. Speak through me. Touch our ears, our hearts, our lives. Let us not only decrease, let us just fade away. And Christ increase. And Christ be revealed, Lord. For this season alone is not about Jesus. Every season of our life is only about you. So speak to us this morning, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been looking at times and seasons and how we have to allow it to touch us and change us personally. This morning, there will be a slight shift, but the overall theme will be always the same. It's also got to do with what's happening in churches worldwide. The past few weeks, I've been getting calls from all over India, other places from pastors, because of something that is happening, confusion, and uh, asking me, please help us clarify certain things. So the word will be also connected with that. So the primary three texts will be from John chapter 1 and verse 17. For law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, so remember, keep that. What happened on Christmas? Grace and truth was personally revealed to us. Law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And John chapter 3, verse 21 to 24, what really is the new covenant and the people of the new covenant? Did I write 3, 4? The Samaritan woman. 3 is Nicodemus. 4 is the woman. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. We are moving into time. The hour is coming. When you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is. Not now will be. Now is. When true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. And God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, the hour is coming. And the hour is. This is what God is looking even now. Even today. God is looking for something. This is what He is looking for. A set of people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. When it comes to ministry. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. 
not of the letter, that is Moses, the law, but of the spirit, that is Jesus Christ, grace and truth, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So keep this in the back of your mind. Keep it there. Don't forget principles. Okay? Even if you cannot verbatim memorize scripture like me, we are not like Pastor Vijay, okay? We cannot. My name is James. I cannot verbatim. So you will see in scripture, when Apostle James quotes from the book of Amos, he doesn't quote verbatim. He just sums it up. This is what it means. Because I took the cue from him, okay? <laughs> but keep the core idea. As you are young people, no, you can memorize. When you are young, you can do a lot of things which becomes difficult as you grow in age. But if you can memorize, fantastic. But even if you memorize, understand what it means. Otherwise, there's no meaning. Okay, so even if you cannot memorize, you should know what it means. Understand these concepts, how we are different in the new covenant. So there are seasons, and above all, the world celebrates this season. And this season has affected mankind like no other season. This is the season when Jesus came and his life, the greatest transition took place. That literally human history is divided into two as B.C. and A.D. How the coming of Jesus Christ changed everything. How we live, how we perceive life, everything. And the book of Acts also will describe the transition period from the law to grace, to truth and grace. Because remember the first set of believers were all Jews. So when you read the book of Acts, it's more a Jewish history of church with the Gentiles coming in late. So you'll hear words like Passover and feast and all it because this is Jewish Christians. Okay? So they are, that is their heritage. That is their heritage. There's a transition taking place. But the same apostle through whom God gave us all the revelation in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, he will say, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Okay, so the title of today's message with a question mark is shadow or substance. What do you follow? Because it's an incredible movement that is happening all around the world in all language groups of the church trying to take the new covenant people back to the law. Making it that you have to celebrate this feast. Big movement taking. There's a lot of confusion. The confusion comes because the ones who are teaching this are good people. So it's a rhetorical question I asked in another state. With a very good man. I ask this question. If a bad guy comes and teaches you a good thing, you find it difficult to receive because you look at him. A good guy comes and teaches you a bad thing, you receive it because he's a good guy. So who is more dangerous? Who is more dangerous? The good guy. 
Guru is more dangerous because what he is teaching is what you are receiving. So remember, many of these people who teach this unbelievably righteous people, good people, but that does not mean if it doesn't agree with the word, what they teach is true. That is why we look at no man, including this man. We look at this. This. We lift this up. We lift the word of God up. That's why God himself says, I have exalted or magnified my word above all my name. Because how do servants of God come? They come in the name of the Lord. But he has exalted his word above all his name. So keep that, okay? So the entire old covenant law was a shadow. Everything was a shadow. The substance is Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those, these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. So remember the entire law was a shadow. The entire law was pointing to whom? Jesus Christ. The law had only one purpose. The purpose of the law, Galatians 3, 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor, schoolmaster. Purpose to bring us to Christ. Purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. Meaning, the purpose of the law was to make us miserable. If you are a child and you have a teacher who is really tough, you don't like that teacher. You like the joker who comes later. The two kinds of teachers in schools. Tough ones and the jokers. And all the students like the jokers. But they won't take you anywhere. The tough ones you dislike. And the tough ones make you miserable. The minute the tough one, like Pastor Vijay was a tough one. I was somewhere in the middle. He was at a higher level when he started. I was at a much lower level at high school. So I used to be very kind with the students and throw them out of the class too. (laughs) Because in that country you could make, it was a monarchy, so you could do anything. You could make the students stand right there by the door like this. When they are taller and bigger than you. Okay, so... What is the purpose of this law? To make you miserable. But ultimately you will fall at the feet of Christ, accept his work and receive his mercy and grace. Because law could never make anyone perfect. Yet the law demanded perfection from you. The demand of the law was perfection. Yet no man could ever keep the law. Only one man kept the law and his name was Jesus. You need to understand the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to make us miserable. You would be so miserable that ultimately you would fall at the feet of God. Feet of God. That's what the law says. The law will always say, all have sinned. Wages of sin is death. Familiar portions again, Romans 3 verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. There's a righteousness of God 
apart from the law is revealed. What does it say? Being witnessed by the law and the prophet. Both the law and the prophets are a witness to this. What? There is a righteousness. Because the purpose of keeping the law is so that you could be justified and declared righteous. But, but you can. Both the prophets and the law witness that there is a righteousness that is from God which is a part of the law. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. Everybody who believes. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And being justified freely. You don't have to pay anything. It's free. It's impossible for a righteous man or aiming for righteousness or considers that all you have to do is believe. And you're free. All you have to do is believe. It's very difficult. But the gospel is as simple as that. It's so, because in everything in life, we are trying to earn. Everything. You're trying to earn. Even that little baby is sitting over there, they know after a little while, if you cry loudly, the mother will come. And from life, we are trying stuff to get something. And here it is free. So it does not agree with human thinking that this is really true. But it is true. You don't have to do one thing other than believe to get saved. Nothing. You look at your past. You repent. And you believe. God says you are saved. It's not dependent upon your work at all. This is the gospel. And the law and the prophets testify to this. So remember, the law is the shadow. Christ is the reality, the substance. But have you noticed something about the imagery God uses? Have you noticed, wherever you go, your shadow follows you? Like Vodafone, your network. Wherever you go, your shadow falls. It follows you. The faster you run, the faster your shadow seems to be chasing you. And that was one of the greatest dangers Christianity right from the beginning till today faced from inside. The shadow chasing you, the law chasing you. You have to read the entire book of Galatians. The entire epistle was written to handle this. So how to escape this shadow and guard yourself? It's a process. In terms of illustration, okay? In terms of illustration, let me give you two verses from the Old Testament so we understand this concept. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Those who believe in my name, who fear my name, believe in my name, who fear my name. What will rise above you? Son of See, when the son of righteousness rise, dawn, the sun rises. When I am standing, my shadow is so long. 
There's nothing I can do to escape my shadow. Wherever I go, the shadow is ahead of me. Okay? Now go to another concept which you find in Psalm 37. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice. How dare? When does my shadow disappear? When the sun is right above me. God says it's a process. When the sun of righteousness rises over you and then when it is fully above you have understood and identified completely with the gospel, your shadow disappears. And you enter into the liberty what salvation is all about. It's a process. Okay? Get this. And one of the greatest dangers the nascent or the new church, the book of Acts church faced was from the law keepers. Since all the believers in the beginning were Jewish. And all the questions, even after Jesus rose again, is when is the kingdom going to come to us? They never factored the Gentiles in. It did not even cross their mind when they're walking with Jesus or after he rose again. Or the 40 days that Gentiles were part of his plan, they could not, they did not factor them. They did not factor us. So all the believers were Gentiles. So in Acts chapter 10, in Cornelius' house, when the Gentiles came into the kingdom, so it had to be very visible, it had to be the Holy Spirit had to fall. They are not baptized. Nothing has happened. The Holy Spirit came. First time before baptism, the Holy Spirit comes. Is The Holy Spirit falls upon them. Very visible. Scripture actually says they were stunned. This is a set of Jewish people, preachers, Jewish preachers, kosher preachers, speaking to a set of Gentiles. And this is what happened. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. They were stunned. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They knew it very clearly. Salvation was connected. The sign was the Holy Spirit would come. You are born again by the Spirit. They were, sh- they were astonished. It's a very simple word. It should be they were shocked. Shocked. I wonder what their thoughts were there going in their mind. You mean to say that I should eat with this fellow now? I can invite him. He may come into my house and I cannot stop him. All the age-old things were. In our context, just think you are a kosher vegetable-eating Brahmin with that punul. And suddenly he sees a Dalit fellow also with a thread. How did he get, how did he get that thread? How did you get that thread? You see? It's a shadow. They did not know the substance. Because in the oldest of Indian scriptures, there is only one God. And his name is Brahman, not Brahma. Brahman, which means self-existing one. And who is the Brahman? A Brahmin who is born of him. We are Brahmin sitting here, born of God. They knew it as a shadow. They didn't never has experienced the reality that a Brahmin is one who is born of God. We are born of Yahweh, genuine Brahmins. They are still facing the face, chasing the shadows, never experiencing the reality. 
never experiencing the reality. So understand here it was shocking. It was shocking. Immediately the rift begins. Lobby, lobbying has begun. Chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles and brothers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contented with him. Problem began. Began. They said, okay, we cannot stop the Holy Spirit falling upon them. It's not in our control anyway. But what we have, we will do. We'll, they all have to be circumcised. Peter said no. Paul said no. Understand what's happening. Okay? So, Paul and Barnabas had to go to Jerusalem. The council all gathered. And who is the head of the council? The biggest circumcisionist, Mr. James. He is of that group originally. Because it is when those apostles, disciples from James came, remember in the book of Galatians he writes, okay, so James is like a pure kosher eating Jewish believer. But you don't go by the shadows, you go by the reality. So in Acts chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, scripture says, certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be they attach something to salvation. No, you cannot. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputes with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. That is how the first Jerusalem council got together. Let's see what happened there. Solution. And who gives a solution? It's interesting. James gives a solution. It is through him God speaks. They wrote this letter. Okay, he gives a solution and then a letter is also given. Making it very clear. This is the decision of the church. They wrote this letter by them. The apostles, the elders and the brethren. To the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greeting. Since we have heard some who went from us have troubled you with words. Unsettling your soul saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. We gave no such commandment. Then, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, first... To and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. They said we are not putting any burden on you. We just ask you initially just three things. What is it? That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from this, you will do well. Are you receiving teachings from the apostles? Yes. Continue with the teaching and do this. You don't have to observe anything under the law. You're free from the law. Why is this so important? This is so important because every one of us sitting here are Gentile believers. We are all Gentiles. We were Gentiles. We are Gentile believers. And we are free from the law and the Jewish customs and traditions. The problem is when you don't have the substance, you long for the shadow. 
That's why I said that our continuous struggle should not be with the shadow. Our continuous struggle should be with the substance. How do I become a true worshipper? That should be. You see, Israel had seven major festivals mandated by God's law. Seven. Of which three was compulsory for every Jewish male. Others were added. Like we just had one last week. Hanukkah. And Purim. That is Esther's the deliverance. So they added others which were not there in the Bible. In the law. It is in the book of Maccabees which they added. But seven major ones they had. Can I have the chart? So that you know. Okay? You know. Seven major. It was it was a law given to them. These are festivals. An assembly. A gathering. The first one was Passover. When you say 117, don't turn your Bible to look for a book called Passover. There is no book like that. Okay? 117 meaning in the Jewish calendar, the first day, 14th, first month, 14th day. That is when Passover. Then you have the festival of the unleavened bread, which begins from 15 to 21. Then the waving of the first sheep, that also happened on the first month. So three festivals are in the first month. And then, weeks, that is Pentecost, third month, 50 days later. So you will see in this, and then trumpets, it's on the seventh month, first day. And the day of atonement, seventh month, tenth day. And tabernacle, seventh month, 15 to 22. This is their seven festivals they had. And this is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. This, every festival they were observing was shadow pointing to Christ. So if you read the new covenant, you will see all these terms used in reference to Jesus. He, our Passover lamb. He is the unleavened bread. The one who takes leaven out of us. The waving of the first, he is the first fruit that went up. He, the first 50th day is when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. And then you have the trumpets. It's a constant calling of the assembly. Constant calling of the assembly. Okay? And the day of atonement, seventh month, tenth day. Its symbolism would be basically after 7,000 years of Christ's rule, sin would be dealt with. There would be no trace of sin at all. Absolutely no sin at all. And the new millennium begins. And tabernacles, which means... God will start literally dwelling with us. So lots of symbolism over there. But it's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. But like I said, these are shadows. And we don't, once you have had Christ, you don't go for these shadows. Now listen carefully. After celebrating all these seven feasts for hundreds and hundreds of years, both in freedom under their kings or in captivity, when the reality that is actually Jesus came, they didn't recognize him. Not only didn't they recognize him, they rejected him. They rejected him. And we live in the same climate. We celebrate Christmas without Christ. Not Christ. You go anywhere in the city. 
From the airport onwards. That's where the city begins. It's all Christmas decoration. No Christ there. No Christ there. I told you this earlier, one year or two years back. After United States of America, the nation that spends and sells and celebrates Christmas most is Japan. 99% of the population don't believe in Christ. You getting it? Can get caught in the same trap. Christianity in its earliest form, and I would say purest form, in the new covenant, there are no feasts or festivals. No feasts or festivals. Everything was an inward reality because the substance has come. It was an inward reality of a person, the very spirit of Christ, the very spirit of God, where Christ is born inside and it changes you from inside out. The old covenant, on the other hand, was actually mostly outward and you could keep it without ever having an inward experience of God. But at least the festivals in the old covenant and the symbols were associated with God and were scriptural. In Christianity, many of the things we do, we won't even do for our own children. Let me explain to you. Yesterday was Zoe's birthday. Let me ex- just as an illustration. Yesterday was Zoe's birthday. Zoe turned three years. So when Zoe turned one year old, there was a birthday party. Happy birthday to you. Everything is there. You want a candle? Imagine you went to Abel's house yesterday and you see, hey, didn't I see that happy birthday before? No, it's a new one. You don't get three candles of which one is from the first year half burned and the second one three quarters burned and then you, you don't do it. Do you see that? Do you that do it for your children? But we do it for Christ. We take the old tree and the old decorations which we kept in a box. That's what I said. We do things for in His name which we won't do it for our own children. Because we have lost sight of the person. And have got caught in the shadows. And shadows with, with substance have no meaning. Have no meaning. It's interesting if you look at the seven festivals of Israel. There were two components which was common. Two components which was common. One, they are all called Sabbaths. That's why they are called Sabbath. This is not a weekly Sabbath. Every festival was a Sabbath. Meaning, rest. And the second thing common about all these festivals, there is lots and lots of sacrifice. And the greatest was on the day of atonement. Animals died like nobody's business. Passover, to atonement, all the festivals is associated with two things. One, sacrifice, and two, so what does it point to? 
the reality. You and I can rest only in his sacrifice. Nothing else. Nothing else. Every festival of Israel was pointing to the reality in Christ. He is the sacrifice and I and you can find our rest from the beginning till the end only in that. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, labor to enter into his rest. Labor to enter into his rest. Nothing else. You see, this is a very difficult thing. Because all of us were caught in some religion. We, did, we were not atheists who became Christians. We were all caught in some form of religion. And every religion is a religion of works. And to enter into the new covenant to say that your works don't matter, are not needed to get saved, it's difficult. See, in the old covenant, God got disgusted with their sacrifices. Because it became ultimately just shadow with no substance at all. What began as a sweet smelling aroma in the Garden of Eden, first sacrifice offered, God will say has become a stench in my nostrils. Because a person is missing. The reality of Christ is missing. It becomes more dangerous further down the line. That is when religion and politics come together. Everywhere. 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 All over the world, religion and politics come together. Which country do you think religion and politics is not mixed? India. It's an entire mixture of religion and politics. US. China. They're supposed to be communists, right? But they're waiting for Dalai Lama to die. To declare another fellow has the next Dalai Lama so that Tibet can be taken over. No more regular. He's your actual leader. This is gone. These are all politics, politics and religion caught together. That's why Dalai Lama kept safe over here so that don't try anything against us. Okay, we lost in 62. We will not lose again because we'll use him to create trouble through which you have to come. Tibet. The all politics and religion mixed together. Okay, so when politics and religion come together, it becomes dangerous. So you will see in Israel's history. Solomon is gone. The kingdom is divided. Now there are two kingdoms. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Israel with ten tribes. With whom? Solomon's son. And Judah with two tribes. With Jeroboam. Okay, so one large kingdom with ten tribes, one small kingdom with two tribes. But there is a problem. It's a problem. Let me explain to you the problem. Modern context. The largest Muslim nation on the world is Indonesia. After Indonesia, the second largest or maybe the largest population of Muslims is in India. So Indonesia, large population in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Iraq, Iran, Nigeria. There are huge Muslim nations. But which is the most powerful nation? In terms of religion? Saudi Arabia. Population very small. Why? Because they have two places there called Mecca and Medina where every Muslim has to go. Did you get it? Mecca and Medina is in 
Saudi Arabia. All the others are big nations, but they all have to come to these two places as a part of their religion. So you have this big nation called Israel, ten tribes, and this small nation called Judah. But the problem is Jerusalem is here. And this king is thinking, all these people, especially the male, the males are the dangerous ones because they go to fight. They are the soldiers. Every male has to go three times to this place. What if they switch over? Do you see? Politics and religion. Let's go to First Kings chapter 12. And Jeroboam said in his heart, the king of Judah said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. Why? Because these people go there. My people go there. If these people go off to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of these people will turn back to their Lord Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Jehoam, the king of Judah. There's a problem here. God made him king and all, but these things don't settle in people's heart. They go over there, they may go over there, then my people and his people are all fighting me, they will kill me. So I have to do something about this. Do you see how powerful the symbols become? How powerful symbols become in religion. Symbols are very, very powerful. That's why Christianity has no symbols. Christianity has only one symbol. That's a cross. Die. No symbols. Christianity is a religion with no symbols. And religions need symbols. And the carnal man, and the religious man, all need symbols. But God said, a time is coming and has come. The true worshippers will arise who worship in spirit and in truth. Remember that. This is connected to worship. They will go to sacrifice. That's what Jesus said. Time is coming. So what did Jeroboam do? The worship is what is the issue here. What did Jeroboam do? Therefore the king, second, first Kings 12, 28. The king asked advice and made two calves of gold and said to the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Too much. Here are your gods of Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. The people cannot say it is a contradiction because their first priest said this. It's exactly the same words Aaron said. So he is not of Aaronic priesthood. He says, I am of Aaronic priesthood. He's got compassion. To go all the way to Jerusalem. He made two cups. And he put one in Bethel. The other he put in Adam. This is Judah. The boundaries, borders. One here, one here. If you are living here, you go here. And if you are living here, go. That's how people pick churches today. GPS, which is the closest to my house. It started with Jeroboam. They should name it House of Jeroboam. Do you see what is happening here? 
Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. What is he doing? He's just tweaking a little. Not tweeting, tweaking. Now that's what happened. You can have book or go online and book your ticket in Indian Railways three months in advance when you go over there are six people sitting there. And what do they say? Adjust Corona, yaar. And certain parts of India, no adjustment. They throw you out and sit in your seat. So what did Jaravam do? You want to worship, right? Adjust karenge, yaar. Why do you have to go to Jerusalem? Many of you have heard this. Why do you have to go to GTC? Isn't there a church near our house? I'm not saying GTC is Jerusalem. I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm saying, you see the patterns. First, make an ad. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. Okay? You want to worship, right? One are done. Better. First, tweaking. Adjustment. Second, verse 31. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Second little tweak. Levi means separated, attached to. The Levitical priesthood began, meaning one priesthood, one tribe became priests and eleven were disqualified when everybody was supposed to be a priest because of what happened at that camp that day. Levi means separated people, separated unto God. So what did he do? We don't want uh, separated people. Everybody could please Banada. It's a constant issue we face in ministry. Constant, not argument as in argument, this thing, but everywhere I face with pastors. I said, you cannot have an adjustment here. If If you have doubts, I will tell you. Look at Christian magazines and advertisements from Bible colleges. They have lowered the standards so low. Anybody can get it. And I have issues with that. I'm not saying you should be qualified in the secular way. But it should be very, very clear. This is not the criteria. The criteria is spiritual. So second tweak, adjustment. What is that? Because the Levites are all at Jerusalem, at the temple. Shortage of Levites, because they are all there. See, the Levites don't really have an inheritance in the land. And they are all living in Jerusalem near the temple, working in the temple. So if you look, okay, I made two new things over here, but there are no Levites. So, that is an issue. So what did he do? Made everybody? Everybody a Levite. Unconsecrated fellows are all now doing the work. Then he did a third tweaking. Interesting. These are politics and religion. Look at verse 32. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. But wait a sec, wait a minute. Is there any feast of Israel on the 8th month? No. No. The last one, the day of atonement, is the 10th day of the 7th month. What did he do? 8th month, he's 
started a new calendar. Change the date. He did three things. Made two places of new places of worship. Change the priesthood. Change the date. Let me ask you this question. Honestly ask you a question. You have heard enough. How many of you really believe Jesus was born on December 25th? Nobody believes. And your belief is true. He was not born on December 25th. So who tweaked the dates? Because there was no date given. There's no date given. It was not supposed to be an occasion. Because the early church which began in spirit and truth, these things were irrelevant. But when you move from that and move into shadows, then to hold the attention of the people, you need shadows and symbols. The Jewish church had only seven feasts. The Catholic church has how many? How many feasts? Every saint's birthday is a feast. You know that? It's a real feast. Why? Because you need symbols to hold the people together. The unsaved, unconsecrated people need shadows and symbols. He never repented or changed in spite of the judgments. You remember the altar, the altar breaking, the ash falling out, his hand shriveling, the hands. But that man did not change. Look at how this, this thing ends in and this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam. So as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. What caused the house of Jeroboam to be cast off? This one sin. They fooled around with God's ordinances. Now I want to look at something else. Okay? First Kings 16.26. We'll go fast now. 16.26. He walked somebody else. Okay? Another king. He walked in all the ways of Jeroboam the son of Nebat and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. The next one. 21.22. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat and like the house of Basha. Okay? Because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother, in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin again. Nevertheless, another king. Okay, you look at the order. We are coming from first kings to second kings. What is what does it mean? I'll tell you. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of uh, Nebat, who made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Next one. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin, that it is from the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, but walked in them. But did you understand? One sin, this one sin, continued down the dispensation. Neither Elijah nor Elisha could remove it from Israel. Neither Elijah's anointing or the double portion could not take this one thing out. Led to the destruction of Israel. That's our struggle too. We like shadows. But the problem is when you pursue shadows, you miss out on the substance. On the other hand, if you have the substance... You don't need the shadows. You can begin like the morning sun. But if the sun of righteousness rises over you with healing under his wings, he is rising. 
the shadow is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and you realize all these symbols don't mean anything anymore. Because Christ is the living reality. New covenant, there are no feasts, no festivals. Because in 10 days, it will be Christmas. Let me tell you, be very balanced about it. Be very, very balanced. In Romans 14, in the first order of the letters, verse 5 and 6, this is what the apostle says. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he who does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God thanks. God says, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Some may keep, some may not keep. Leave it alone. But as he progresses further, the Holy Spirit, because he allows the church to grow. That's why there's no pressure on most of you, because you're very young in the Lord. We may teach you deeper things, but there's no pressure on you. Grow up to it. The truth is here, we are all growing up to it. So there's no pressure. But as the narrative continues, you will see in Colossians 2, 16, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. When he goes to chapter 4, this is what he says. These all have no meaning at all. Absolutely no meaning at all. All these things have no meaning at all because you have come to the substance. Last words. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. None of them have. In the flesh, I mean, actually it has no meaning at all, any of these things. And the problem is, let me tell you, the problem is people get very emotionally attached to symbols. Get very attached to symbols. And we have committed the sin of Jeroboam we changed the place of worship. We changed the priesthood. And we replace Christ with Santa. It is true. You ask any child in the unbelieving world, what do they associate Christmas with? With Santa. They associate with Santa. They are not associated with Christ. And who is to be blamed? We us. The most momentous event in human history that God became man to save man, he changed the whole narrative. And the funniest part of it is that if you go into the Bible and look at the actual event of his birth, the actual event of his birth, the Bible is very vague of the details. There are 300 prophecies, but the actual event is so vague. Was Christ born on December 25th? No. Where was he born? Yes, very clear, Bethlehem. Was he born in a stable? Luke 2. She brought, brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in a swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. We assumed she gave birth. Is anywhere in the Bible it's written he was born in a stable? It only says there was a manger. Doesn't say. 
that we are visual creatures. So we created a stable when the Bible is silent about it. And of course, in the Christmas pageant, see, I was guilty of all these things in the old days, Christmas tree and all this stuff, okay? And we had all this, we used to be very proud about that porcelain ox and donkey which came from London, of course. Because we had to tell, do you know where this came from? In that Christmas pageant, remember, we have that ox and that donkey and all. But do you know the Bible doesn't mention about it at all? The only reference to an ox and a donkey together in Isaiah chapter 1, 3, in a different context altogether, it's got nothing to do with Christmas. The ox knows its honor and the donkey its master's grip. But Israel does not know, my people do not consider it. So we took that ox and donkey and put it with the maids and added it to the Christmas scene. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with his imagination. What I'm saying is nothing in scripture to say. Because God, if he wanted all these things, he would have written it very clearly. Because Jewish people, unlike others, have a calendar which is up to date. It is a Julian calendar, the English calendar, which kept on changing. Their calendar has been right from the beginning. But he didn't give a date of his own son's birth. And who were the first ones to come? The shepherds. Then came the the wise men, the Magi. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. When they had come into the... But we made the stable and first we created a stable. We know maybe there was a stable. But we put the house and the stable together and made it into a stable. Where did they come? And they saw the... But in all our Christmas pageant, the wise men are looking at the baby. They are never looking at a child. How did we do that? Because we also want to be very scriptural, right? Our strength, authority comes from scripture, right? It's a young child. They fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented him to gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. That's the only time where Christ got a gift. After that, we started giving gifts to each other on his birthday. We are very good in gifting each other on somebody else's birthday, okay? But these wise men came, if you go by scripture, two years later. So we got our Christmas story. And then they brought out gifts. And the gifts are written in terms of like gold, frankincense and myrrh. Can you count gold? Can you count gold? No. Can you count frankincense? Can you count myrrh? But there were three items mentioned. We made it into three wise men. When there is no three mentioned there at all. These are urban legends. How we create. The problem is we'll fight over this thing. You made your Christmas this thing. Where is the wise men? Oh, only two. And in the entire narrative is this. They fell down and worship him. That's the actual words that should be highlighted. The question is, when you and I encountered the substance, did we fall down and worship him? That's the question. 
It's not how many gifts we gave each other. That is the question you need to ask. Have we fallen down? Every encounter with the living Christ, did we encounter him? And when we did, did we fall down and worship him? Or did we give each other gifts, had a good time and forgot to worship? So we were chasing shadows, not the substance. And what about the poor shepherds who were the only ones who were actually told? When the shepherds saw, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. What did they do? They praised and they glorified God. So three words are associated with this baby child. Praise, worship, glorify. When you meet the substance, if these three are our reaction, we have encountered Christ. We have met him. We praise him, we worship him, and we go out glorifying him. Then the Christmas is real. Then Christ will say, the time is coming and has come. A true worshipper has arisen. He has fallen down. He has worshipped me. And he has gone out praising and glorifying me. Then added postscript from me. The wise men had knowledge. That's why they are called wise men, right? What did they have? And with the knowledge, it took them two years to find the child. The shepherds had no knowledge. They were given revelation where the child is. So when it comes to God, it doesn't matter who you are. The poor, the humble, the lowly can receive a revelation. Because scripture says it was revealed to them. Look at look at Luke chapter 2. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The angel went to them, left the entire country aside, even the wise men aside. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in a, in swaddling clothes, lying in a... See, the narrative doesn't change. It doesn't say, it just says manger. It could be a stable. I'm not denying that fact. So what is the point? The point is this. How is that everything that I do affect my worship? How is that everything that I encounter in the Bible about Christ? How does it affect my worship? Let me explain to you why these things are important, why we need to think these things. Why are these things important? Let me explain. In a calendar, how many days are there? 365 days. In 365 days, India has three national holidays. Only three national holidays. The rest are different kinds of holidays. Three national holidays. August 15th, the day we became independent. January 26th, the day we became a republic. So go and find out what's the difference between a republic. Okay? Find out. And then October 2nd. 
Two are connected with the nation. One is connected with the person. The person was the main person responsible in India's freedom. And October 2nd is his birthday. Interestingly, we celebrate Gandhi's birthday connected to our freedom. We do not celebrate Gandhi's death and connected to our freedom. Did you get it? Now let's go to one symbol given to us in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 20. 23. For I received, who did he receive it from? Okay, so this is a new covenant, Holy Spirit, Lord sanctioned institution in the church for the new covenant believer. What I received from the Lord, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What did he ask us to do? Okay, continue. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he... See, we were given one. What is that? Celebrate my death in your life. Because your life comes from it. Your and my life comes from his death. So one thing we have given, one symbol was given to the church. What is that? Celebrate his death. Not grieve, not mourn, celebrate it. Do this as often as you meet. Because our very, very life comes from it. Are you getting it? Now we will take a little tangent. Okay, we are moving in the realm of understanding how the new covenant works. Let us go to Galatians chapter 3 again, verse 21 onwards. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Can the law bring life? Law cannot bring neither life nor righteousness. Now go to verse 22. But scripture has confined all under sin. Who confined? Everybody has been put inside and locked up under sin by scripture. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So everybody in the world is put in this lockup called sin and locked up. You want to come out? One question. Do you believe in Jesus? Only one question. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe only in Jesus? Yes. Only in his work? Yes. Nothing but his work? Yes. You can come out. If you say and, you are in. Everybody is locked up. Confined by scripture. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to look at 
something interesting over here because this is what we've been trying to look through the year. Verse 23. Before faith, what came? How can faith come? Do you see how faith is being used? As a real living reality. Before faith came. Before faith came. Verse 25. But after faith has come. Before faith came. After faith has come. And in between is verse 24. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to. Who has come? Christ has come. Before faith came. Law is there. Christ has come. Faith has come. So it joins faith and Christ together. If you have faith, you have Christ. If you have Christ, you have faith. They made one. A living faith. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? That's the reality of salvation. It's a person. It's not a law. It's not a religion. It's a person. And some of the things which we still hold on to doesn't make any sense, which we will not do in real life. Shrikant is here. Shrikant, are you here? Yes, Shrikant, Sopna. You are the Bakra for today. Okay, Shrikant and Sopna and uh, Davinia. Oh, I revealed a secret. The baby's name. Okay. For uh, easy memory, let us imagine January 1st, 2019, Srikanth and Sapna got married. They got married before that. Okay, but easy. We are not mathematicians like Pastor Vijay. Give you complicated dates, you will get complicated. You will be thinking about dates instead of the message. So January 1st, they got married. February 1st, Srikanth saw Sapna over the wash basin. You know, old Indian movies. <laughs> February 1st. March 1st, they went for the first scan. You saw a little picture. On May 1st, the doctor put the earpiece of the steth, not in her ears, on Sapna and Srikant's ear and said, listen to your baby's heartbeat. June 1st, Sapna felt the kick. The first kick. October 1st, she had the first contraction. And October 10th, these are all, don't, don't go celebrate the birthday on October 10th, okay? October 10th, the baby is born. Baby is born. And the baby changes everything, because that's a reality. The rest were all shadows, this is a reality. So next year, 2020, do you think Sopna will go on February 1st? Oh, I have to celebrate my first nausea. I remember this was the first day I threw up. Did any of your mothers do it? Oh, this is the anniversary of my first can. Look how cute it is. Do you do that? 
Today is June 1st. I remember the first kick. Today is October 1st. I remember the first con. You see the baby changed everything. See, when you do not experience the reality of the living Christ every day, you need shadows. You need shadows. You need shadows. That's why faith and Christ are put together in Galatians. Before faith came. And faith has come. In the previous verse, Christ has come. Faith is more powerful than sight. Where sight can't see, faith sees. Where sight cannot experience, faith experience. That's why God told this intellectual man, Nicodemus, unless you're born from above, you cannot see, you cannot enter. The kingdom of God is real, Nicodemus. You're getting the picture? That's why we have to guard because there are so many doctrines floating around trying to take us back to the shadows when we, Paul actually in Galatians uses trust in this false brethren who spied our liberty in Christ have come to take us back to bondage. It's a liberty walking with the living God. You don't need shadows anymore. But, like the scripture says, if you observe the shadows, and if it's a real shadow of a real person, scripturally valid, it is fine. But all the things that I see along with Christmas, the only thing I find in scripture is a star. I see no trees. I see no reindeer. I don't see that red Santa. I don't see any holly or wreath and fake cotton has no... I don't see any of these things in the Bible. You want to keep it, it's fine. But I want to see you explain it to your children. I would like to listen to how you explain it to your children. Then I will ask you, did you ever read your Bible? So you have to tell them, this is imagination, this is fact. And your child will say, mommy, daddy, you got good imagination. Very little fact. Are you getting the picture? Because a lot of stuff is happening. What happened in Judaism is happening in Christendom. And ultimately, it's all forgotten. The core purpose, the person, and the person, what he did is forgotten. And we forget to celebrate that. The wise men worship. The the shepherds praised and glorified him. And we are celebrating each other. It is good. They're celebrating the Christ, the salvation. That's all fine. But don't forget. So what did Christ do to us, ex-Gentiles? What did he do to us? Acts chapter 15. Verse 15. Now with these words of the prophets, who is saying? Apostle James is saying. Okay, he's quoting from the book of Amos. Not verbatim, like Pastor James is quoting. The words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. 
known to God from eternity are all his works. Okay, so they're having this discussion. Gentiles have come in. Holy Spirit has fallen upon them. They also believe in Jesus. What do we do? That's why you need revelation. And this is revelation coming from the book of Amos from James' mouth. He immediately, the Holy Spirit reveals to him, this is what is prophesied. And what you see agrees with scripture. Because an apostle cannot stand forward and do something of his own which doesn't agree with scripture. Because he himself is standing on scripture. So he opens his mouth and gives scripture. And he says, this is what the prophet said. Yes, the prophet had said this. Let's see what the prophet said. Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles who are called by name, says the Lord who does this thing. That's why he said he didn't quote it correctly. Do you see? He was paraphrasing it. He was not quoting it verbatim. But the problem here you need to ask is this. Lord, there was the tabernacle of Moses. And there was the incredible temple of Solomon. Why do you want to build the tabernacle of David which has fallen down? That's a question you immediately should ask. That's the first thing that should go in your mind. Tabernacle of David? The temporary little thing he built to keep the ark till Solomon made the uh, temple? Solomon's grand temple and Moses' tabernacle. And in between there is the interim period where the ark is kept, which is called the tabernacle of David. God is skirting this and this and says, this is what I will rebuild. When all three are gone. All three are gone. And God suddenly comes into the picture and speaks through Apostle James and says, this is what I will build, the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. Interesting. It's very, very interesting. Now let me give you history. Israel has come down. Judges period is over. Ark has been taken by the Philistines. Remember the battle where the Ark was. Ark was their national symbol. National symbol. What is our national symbol? Other than Ashok Chakra, what's our national symbol? The, the flower? Lotus. That's why in the new passports they put the lotus also over there because it's another symbol of another party also. In the passport. So that everybody who has got a passport is supposed to be a member of BJP. Symbols have meaning. Powerful. Symbols have meaning. They are very powerful. The symbol of Israel that God was with them was the ark. The Philistines took the ark. They were plagued. You know all the story what happened. They sent it back on a cow with a cart. The cow straight away went to Israel, stopped over there. Some people looked in. They all died. We don't know how many. It was 70, 70,000. We don't know. Numbers are like a little complicated. But they all died. Everybody who looked into it died. Years later, David is king. King of Jerusalem. What does he do? He wants to bring the ark. Same style, grand style. He brings the ark in a cart. Cart slips. Bullock stumbles. Ark slips. Uzzah touches. 
Uzzah? Yes. Three months later, he brings the ark in. He pitched a tent in Jerusalem for the ark. And he puts the ark in. This tickle pink ark has come. This one man was, his heart was after God. And on earth there was one symbol of God. That was the ark. His heart was joined with the ark. That is David. He did certain things. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 1. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. In that joy they offered offerings, burnt offerings, everything. And verses 4 to 6. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to commemorate, to thank, to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaf the chief, next to him, the names are there, okay. Benaiah, all that. Jail with, with stringed instruments and harps. But Asaf made music with cymbals. So keep this in your mind, okay. When you read like this, you have to get these words in. That's how you mark it. To remember, to thank, to praise, and to make music. That should get into your heart. Those are the words you highlight. I should remember. Commemorate means to remember. Celebrate. To celebrate, to praise, to thank, and to make music. And uh, verse 6. Benai and Zed, the priests, regularly blew the trumpets before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They regularly blew the, blew the trumpets. Keep all that in mind, okay? In the meantime, something else is there. First Chronicles chapter 16 verses 39 to 40. And Zadok, who? The priest, the actual priest, the high priest. Zadok the priest and his brethren the priest before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place that was at. Oh, there are now two places. Gibeah. And now, Zion. Where is the ark? In Zion. Where is the old tabernacle at Gibeah. Where is the priest? Where are the priests? At Gibeah. Where are the Levites? Here. You know that? David broke every law under the sky. The priests were the only ones who were allowed to handle the ark. The Levites did the other jobs. The priests are here. The Levites are here. Here, there is no altar. There is no labor. There is no holy place. There is nothing. There is no curtain. There is nothing. A simple tent with the ark. And here, it's everything. Sacrifices going on. Here, praise, thanksgiving, celebration, and blowing of trumpets. David, where did you get this from the law? It's not in the law. Let me ask you this question. Did God kill David? But Philistines died. The people who looked into the ark died. The one who touched the ark died. And here are a set of Levites singing, praising, thanking, celebrating, blowing from nobody's dying. Why? Because it's a sign of what God was looking in the new covenant. A set of people who would worship God in spirit and truth. And God says, every division, every restriction I have taken away, come freely to the very throne room of grace. This is the kind of man I was looking for. 
Their sacrifices are going at Gibeon. Here a man is worshipping before the ark and nobody is dying. Nobody is dying. And God said in the new covenant, this is what I will rebuild in the new covenant. A set of people will arise who will worship me in spirit and God. Nothing is going to stop them. They will see my face and they will not die. This is the new covenant. Where the substance has come. The shadows have gone away. They stood there before the ark and they just praised God and thanked God and celebrated God and worshipped God and they lived to tell it. You getting it? So the new covenant is the rebuilding of the broken tabernacle of David. And that's what God loves. A broken and a contrite heart that just looks at the work God has done for you and just thanks him, praises him, worships him through it all. That's a living faith. Intimately connected to the person of God. It's living. That's why you have to study these books, Galatians and the book of Hebrews closely to see what is God trying to tell us? What is he doing? What does he want to do? Nothing like the book of Hebrews if you want to understand the Old Testament shadow or the new covenant reality. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter. See, it doesn't even talk about outer courts and holy place. Straight. Straight. Come in. But Lord, outer courts, where there is the altar of sacrifice, labor, yeah. That's my son. He's your sacrifice. He's the one who cleanses you. Lord, the table of, that's my son. The light, that's my son. Prayers, you think you are standing on your prayers or my son's prayer who forever lives to make intercession for the saints? Come in. By faith, just come in. It's my son who is everything. It's my son. Come boldly to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart with full assurance of faith. Living faith. That is why you have to see, it doesn't matter whether you are standing or you are fallen. Have the boldness to go and say, Abba, I am coming back. And he will never say no. Never say no. He will never say no. Daddy, I am coming back. Daddy says, come back. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? We have a high priest over the house of God. Look at this high priest. Hebrews 4 will declare to us that high priest. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Where? To the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy. You have, to, you, have to, you have to do no sacrifice for mercy. It is freely given. 
All you have to do is ask. Lord, I'm sorry, daddy. God says, take it. You're my son. You're my daughter. And Lord, I keep falling in this area. Take my grace. Did you know my son came with truth and grace? This is the living reality. It's the living reality. This is the new covenant. And once we know this, the natural reaction of a man or a woman, they may go down during extreme circumstances, but they come out because the reality is not their problem. The reality is Christ. They cannot stop praising Him. Sing along. They sing along. They sing. They thank God. They praise God. And that's what Hebrews 13.15 is talking about. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. You look at it, and you realize, all I can do is just thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. We don't Understand this reality and constantly fight to enter into this reality. We'll miss the work of Christ. I'm not saying you're unsaved or you're not saved. But you are missing. You're still hanging on to the shadows. The shadows make a lot of meaning for us. But we are missing the reality. The reality. And we will not experience the way we should experience Christ. Look at Isaiah 16 and verse 5. In mercy the throne will be established and the one who sit on it in truth. Ah, where is he seated? Oh, not in the tabernacle of Moses. Not in the temple of Solomon. Where is the king seated? In the broken down, repaired tabernacle of David. The king is seated looking for worshippers to come who are not outer courts in the court. He says, come through the living way. Just worship me. That's where he's seated. That's where he's seated. Judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. Hastening righteousness. Do you see where he's seated? That's where he's seated. And the throne is in David's tabernacle. The throne is established in mercy. Established in mercy. See, the thing is that old covenant or new covenant, God's desire was first heard in the universe when man fell. This the cry that is echoed for 6,000 years, Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Where have you gone? Why are you hiding from me? I came to be with you. came to talk to you. We used to walk together. Where are you? I'm not hiding my face from you. You're hiding yourself from me. And that's why he loved David. That's why he loved David. And this was always God's desire. Always. Do you remember the incident in the book of Exodus when the whole mountain was on fire and he told nobody come near me. If anybody approaches, shoot him dead, kill him. Nobody can see my face and live all that stuff he told. Just true, which he told the people. Right? But something interesting happened there. When Moses went up, he told, bring 
Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and some of the elders with you. It's Exodus chapter 24. Moses went up also Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel. And they? And they saw? And they? They saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of shaphired stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. And they ate and they drank there. That's what the next verse will say. You know what? They saw and they did not. They did not die. You know, the next time we have a revelation like this is from John in book of Revelation, where God's heaven is absolutely like glass mixed with fire. They saw. I'm not saying they actually saw. I don't, I don't know. It's an appearance. But they saw and they did not die. So God is saying, I have never changed. You have changed. I always decided that you come to me. And when I saw a man who wanted to come to me, I sustained him in the tabernacle. I kept him there. We are worshippers of the living God. We are not religious people. We are related to God. It's a relationship. So we don't need feasts or symbols except the cross. And we celebrate his death every time we gather. Because our very life comes from his death. So Christmas, see it spiritually. See church as a family and not as a place. Everything. We have to see what is the purpose. What is the church? It's not a place. We can meet somewhere else. It's just a church. Why? It's a family. Religions needs place. The new covenant, you don't need a place. It's a family. It's a family and the father is God. And the purpose of ministry, we, those who are in ministry, is very clearly mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. And he himself gave, when he ascended to heaven, he took captivity captive, he ascended to heaven and gave gifts to men. And next, what are the gifts he gave? Some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the, to the, did you see living faith and Christ was interchanged? When will the church come to an unity of faith when we are all united in Christ? You cannot have a faith outside of Christ. It's Christ. And of the knowledge of the Son of Man to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what ministry is. We are not giving you seven tips how to prosper in the world, three steps to how to walk straight. We are trying to see that Christ is birthed, Christ grows, and Christ takes over. And when Christ takes over, it is one body. And that's what communion is. One loaf, many pieces. Came as one loaf, broken and given into pieces. We have many pieces, came as one loaf. That's what the church is. It's a family. It's not a religion. It's not a religion. Now we do this by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. One day faith will become a real experience in terms of sight too. One day. And that's how the Bible ends in Revelation chapter 21. And I will want the worship team to come. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with 
See, this is how God writes. We won't write like that. We will say the tabernacle of men is with God. God is humble, so he says the tabernacle of God is with men. Isn't that a mistake? Oh, I know KCR. I met KCR at the party yesterday because, see, I know the CM. A PM calls me every day. Not God. God says his tabernacle is with us. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And what will God do? Wipe away every tear away from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give you of the fountains of the water of life freely to whom he thus. And how does the next chapter end? The bride and the spirit says, all those who are thirsty, come and drink. Please don't make this into a religion. Religion has feasts. Religion has festivals. We have enough religions and they are creating enough trouble in the world. Christ did not come to start a religion. He came to start a family. This is a family. Church is a family. On Christmas, if you celebrate, it is about he who came. How do we celebrate? To rebuild the broken down tabernacle of David. So we Gentiles be Gentiles. What did Amos say? Well, let me ask your memory. What did Amos say? What James did not say? He will restore what? The remnant from Edom. Edom. And the Gentiles. Why Edom? Why Edom? These are all questions you immediately should stop and ask. Why did you mention Edom over there? Because Edom is the firstborn son of Isaac. And we who lost his birthright Sold his birthright. He says the world is full of Edomites who sold their birthright. I will redeem them too. And they will also have a place in my tabernacle. And the Gentiles. Lot of who sold their birthright. For a temporary thing in the world they sold it. He says they too will have a place. In the tabernacle that I will build. And the Gentiles who are so far away from God. Everybody. One body. In Christ Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. Shall we stand? Let's sing. We need to sing. Oh, before I sing, I pick this from. Okay, before we sing, I pick this from our little one. Nolan. I was looking at it and I said, uh, Nolan, can you lend me this? I'll give it back to you, Nolan. What is this? You know why I picked it? What was the title of today's message? Shadow to? Do you know what it means in reality? How many of you know geometry? How many of you know how to draw a circle? What is the circle going to do for you? That is shadow. When the circle becomes a spear, it's a substance. You can at least have lemon juice. This is a spear. But if you look, cut the spear, you will get many circles. A square, as a square, means nothing until it becomes a cube. Circle is the shadow. 
This is the substance. All the feasts and festivals of Israel are shadows. The substance is Christ. Understand that. Yes, let's sing. Of the tabernacle of David, 
where there was nothing stopping him from approaching the holy of holies then in that light we understand the words of david why he wanted to be a doorkeeper in the house of god because he could see the ark when the prophet came and said you will not be the one who will build a house for the lord we understand what scripture says he went and sat before the lord he was not standing in the outer courts he was not even standing in the holy place he was sitting there before your ark but one greater than david has come and he has made for us a living way through his very body and blood and the invitation is there every day from heaven come boldly confidently through the throne room of grace and receive mercy and grace for every need oh father i pray this will be our daily reality then we too will be praising you and worshiping you with the saints in heaven constantly that sacrifice of praise will burst forth from every lip and nothing and nobody would be able to stop us lord and we too would be taking part in building up that broken down tabernacle of david where christ himself will sit in his throne a throne established in mercy and hastening righteousness in our own lives that's our prayer today lord help us to experience and know what's the reality of the new covenant the shadows have passed away the substance have come and our faith and our christ is one in us And when you say man shall live by faith my righteous shall live by faith We're talking about Christ in us Christ alone Thank you Father Once again we thank you thank you thank you for your son All of history all of our todays our tomorrows and eternity will be only about him thank you lord jesus now by faith believing the blood of the lamb the word of the living god the spirit of the living god has cleansed us we lift up holy hands in that tabernacle and we bless your holy name We bless your holy name we bless your holy name we your children declare thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever thank you thank you lord thank you father thank you thank you and we are no longer gentiles trapped in the court of the gentiles we are sons and daughters who have access to the most holy place oh father oh father thank you thank you thank you lord Thank you Lord help us to revel in our blessings to know what it means now and forevermore Thank you Lord 
We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.